Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Cats Chiropractic Consultants Chiropulse Podcast. We got another great topic here for you today. I assume, at least, Troy. I always let you pick the topic, but uh, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're listening in today, Troy. What are we talking about? Well, first off, I look like a deer caught in the headlights when you start. I kind of, my head kind of shook a couple, <laughs> t- so I'm not having a seizure or anything. But I am excited today, and and we've had a couple questions over the last week that I really want to address in the form of us talking for a few minutes. But I want to talk about the business of chiropractic. I know sometimes we see that as almost a dirty word in chiropractic, you know, because we practice chiropractic and we work with patients. It's really right. hard for us to say that we make a living off of it or we, we we want to gain some sort of financial means off of that when in reality all of us as we work at jobs that's what we do so you know the business of chiropractic has changed a lot over the last year I think we're probably all aware of that but Dr. Perush what's your number one thing if I'm running a business right now what's the biggest thing that I have to be concerned about well, number one thing is when you run a business like a healthcare business where you're wearing two hats. So you've got your doctor hat on and then you've got to have your entrepreneur hat on. Um, th- this is where, number one, we need a coach because you need a coach who's plugged into the entrepreneur side all the time because there are so many changes happening. You know, the economy's changing consumer buying mentalities are changing, compliance laws are changing, mm. healthcare laws are changing, finance. I, I mean, there's just so much happening. And all the uh, economic gurus are saying right now that, you know, the, the speed at which things are going to continue to change in the future is just going to be faster and faster. So you've got to have somebody plugged in for you on your behalf all the time. Okay, so if I'm going to move faster then from a compliance standpoint, I need to get rid of uh, all this COVID stuff. I don't don't have time Hmm. to do this no-touch stuff and these masks. So what if I decide to do that right now because I want to move faster? It's 2021, COVID's over, right? I'm I'm here to tell you that that the things, the, the fallout from COVID is going to be as frightening as some of the audit issues that we have with Medicare and the OIG. Mm-hmm. And and I think I think some of the fallout from COVID could be even scarier. And right now is a time when you absolutely have to make sure that you're following COVID compliance, as we call it, to the T. You need to make sure that you have a written crisis plan. You need to make sure that you have mitigation procedures in place. You know, I know we all have this wonderful, amazing chiropractic philosophy, and not only do we believe in it, but we see it every day when we adjust our patients. Mm-hmm. And I get that. But right now, the governmental rules, regulations, mandates, all that far outweighs our philosophy. We, we can't just say, no, I'm just going to throw that COVID stuff out the door because I don't believe in it. Because here's what happens. As a licensable healthcare profession, if you get in trouble because somebody accuses you of a COVID infection or heaven forbid somebody gets infected in your office and they're high risk and they have massive symptoms and, and have health issues that may even take their life, chances are pretty high that you're going to you're going to be in trouble. And it's not just the potential for a lawsuit because you didn't have procedures in place. It's the potential for licensing sanctioning. And now you've affected your livelihood. So COVID compliance right now is huge and hugely important. 
So my opinion on Facebook sometimes may not be how I operate my practice. I, I get it that sometimes right. we've said, I, I, you know, I've got all kinds of chiropractor friends on Facebook and Instagram and right. we don't always agree. That's the thing. We're, we're a democratic country and we don't always agree with everything, but when it comes to government regulations, it's kind of hard to go, well, you know, my friends on Facebook don't agree with that. And so I'm just not going to do it anymore. So I think what Dr. Perush has said about that is vitally important important to your practice. And here's the other thing I want to throw in. From a human compassion standpoint, there are people that are scared to death of this virus right right now. Absolutely scared to death. And as a result, my from my philosophy and my practice is I want everybody to be comfortable. If and it takes is something as simple as me having a COVID procedure in place, me uh, making sure that all my tables are sanitized, that I'm wearing a mask, that folks coming in the door wearing a mask. Hey, if that's what it takes to get chiropractic care to folks, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what the government tells me I need to be doing right now. You know, temperature yeah. checks, there's, there's more than just that, but I hit the right. high points there. Right, right. And, you know, let me, I, I know this is probably crawling up some of our listeners' spines just a little bit today. And, and mm-hmm. like Dr. Fox said, we get it. We get it. We, we have that same strong philosophy. <clears throat> but let me, let me just throw out a scenario. Let's say a 75-year-old man who is at high risk, maybe he's got diabetes and obesity and, and those kind of things. We can kind of set the stage there. And his daughter normally drops off groceries for him once a week um, so that he doesn't have to get out. And he's, he's been a longtime chiropractic patient, but he hasn't been able to go to the chiropractor in, in the last several months. And he decides on his own that he needs groceries and his daughter's out of town, so he's got to go get them. And while he's out, he might as well go get a chiropractic adjustment. And he goes to the grocery store and he puts his mask on and he walks in the door and there's a sign that says no entry without a mask. They're disinfecting carts. Everybody in the store has a mask. Everybody working has a mask and gloves on, especially if they're handling food and those kind of things. They're cleaning all over the place. He leaves there. And he goes to the chiropractor's office and there's no sign on the door about masks. Nobody inside is wearing masks. There's no social distancing, blah, blah, blah. Okay. He goes home three days later, he comes down with COVID symptoms. He goes to the ER within an hour. He's in ICU three days later. He has a massive reaction because he's at high risk and he passes away. Mm-hmm. Where did he get, where did he get COVID? Now, the answer is simple. Whether it's true or not, he may have got it, gotten it passing by somebody in the parking lot, or we don't know about him stopping and talking to one of his neighbors in the parking lot for 15 or 20 minutes before he goes to the chiropractor. But the appearance is he went to a safe store, but an unsafe healthcare clinic. So you're, yeah, you're now the smoking gun. You're the smoking gun. And guess what? You've got this coffer of money that if they file a lawsuit against you, they may get, it's called your malpractice insurance. And then if you get in trouble in court, if, if, if the court case is found against you, guess what? Now your licensing board's going to be asking, well, what are your mitigation procedures in your practice? Mm-hmm. Oh, you didn't have any. We got a problem, Houston. We got yeah. a problem. So I think that I think that really puts the exclamation point on that. So, folks, yeah. pay pay attention. Pay yeah. attention. Hey, I'm going to jump to another topic, yeah. which is at the forefront with us right now. It's a, it's a compliance issue. You know the ABN form. 
<laughs> you know that? Have you heard I'm of that? Familiar thing? with it? Yeah. Uh, man, that thing is—it's just giving me fits, and you know, I never really understood how to use it anyway. And now they're making more changes to it. They're going to change the form, and I've got to comply with that. How about I just don't use it at all? What if? What if I just? Uh, what if I just quit using the ABN form? Um, you know. There's nothing really bad could happen to you. They just might deny a couple of claims if they caught on, right? <laughs> That's a great scenario, and and we yeah. hear this all the time. And and first yeah. off, if you're if you're our client and you're not using the ABN form, you won't be our client long <laughs> because true. They're, they're, that that is a big big no no. It's the number one thing that's looked at if if Medicare, CMS or or OIG comes into your office to do an an audit. That's the number one thing they're going to look at is how you use the ABN form. And it's easy to catch you if you should be using an ABN form because they track your billing. And they know that based on the ICD-10 codes that you're billing along with the the, uh, excuse me, the CPT codes you're billing, they match that up against their algorithms and they know when your patient very likely should be in maintenance care. And that's when the ABN gets injected into the process. So using the ABN, using it properly, using the current ABN, and you know the use of the ABN is even a little different between PAR providers and non-PAR providers, and a lot of people don't know that. If you have a QMB, Medicare slash Medicaid patient, the ABN is different. They actually have their own ABN, and they can only check box one for you to treat them. So, yeah, the ABN is hugely important, and if you get caught misusing them, it's huge, huge fines. Yeah, and, and one of the things that, that we do as consultants is we not only are, are we very familiar with these processes, but we also uh, work with Kathy Mills Chang as well a lot, yep. and she's she's a she's a good friend and and a speaker for us when changes happen because we want the best knowledge that we can get because we want you protected. So Absolutely. what you're telling me is is me not using the ABN form that's not not an option for me. It's just a no, no. Yep. Not an option. Okay. Here's another one that I get because people go, well, I'm a smaller practice. So because I'm a smaller practice and I'm flying underneath the radar, I don't really need to do one of those HIPAA manuals. Do I? (laughs) That's another good one. Yeah. You know, here's, here's the thing about HIPAA and a lot of people don't realize this. HIPAA is an ongoing process. In other words, your HIPAA manual should be getting thicker and thicker and thicker every year. We don't yes. pull stuff out. We keep adding stuff in. And unfortunately, we see a lot of doctors who just aren't managing the HIPAA process very well. And I know, I know what you're thinking out there. Oh my gosh, it's just one more thing to take me away from patient care. I get it. I get it. But it's one more thing that allows you to stay in practice. So mm-hmm. we have to make sure that we're spending that little bit of time and to manage it correctly really doesn't take much, but you got to make sure that your staff is trained when they're first hired. They've got to be retrained every year. You've got things that you're supposed to do monthly. You're supposed to do security checks and adding to that HIPAA manual all the time and making, making sure that it's available for patients um, to take a copy of it home with them. Um, a lot of doctors are just letting patients sign off on something that says they saw it and they never saw it. And actually they're supposed to actually see it. So yeah, there are a lot of rules. And you know, if you don't understand those rules, <laughs> that's another great reason to have a coach because 
Um, having a coach is going to help you make sure that you're compliant with those things and teach you easy ways to make that happen so you can spend more time in patient care. So yeah, absolutely. You got to follow the HIPAA rules and have that manual. Yeah, and I, I think it's helpful from a coaching standpoint as, as a client when a coach comes to me and says, do you have this, this, and this? I feel comfortable with my coach to be able to say, oh, I, well, what is that? You know, and, and we want our clients to feel comfortable doing that because our job is not to catch you doing something that you shouldn't be doing. Our job is to help you remain compliant so you're more stress-free in practice. And I think that's, yep. a, that's, a, that's a real important topic. Now, let's talk about another stressful slash <laughs> um, maybe digging our heads in the sand topic that w- we get into with the business, the chiropractic. And that is looking at our numbers. Now, I know sometimes we talk about looking at new patient numbers. Here's the numbers I'm talking about. Is it important that I understand what my margins are, profit and loss, and and why is that important? And and, and Dr. Perush, you have a financial background. So I'd like to really ask you, what's the importance of me knowing that other than I look in my checking account and I go, hey, I got more cash in there this month than I did last month. We had (laughs) a great month, you know? So tell me, why is it important for me to know that? Well, as an entrepreneur, you really should understand the deep uh, statistical numbers of your business. And the other great thing about statistics and numbers is you can trend them. In other words, over time, you can see how your practice is changing. Is it staying healthy? Is it getting healthier along the way? Or is it tailing off in some areas? And some of those statistical areas, you don't notice and don't feel it until it's way late, it, it's until it really is hurting. Um, so yeah, understanding the statistical component of your practices is hugely important. And, and it goes way beyond just writing down what your services and your collections and your, your um, collections per patient visit and, and your dollar visit average might be. Uh, and your new patient numbers. You know, those are the traditional numbers that we track in patient visits. It goes way beyond those six or seven numbers. You've got to really get into the statistical models of things to see, are you actually profitable? Every time a patient comes in, what does it cost you? How much are you making? And with our clients, we, I mean, our spreadsheet that our clients fill out each month is this wide um, because we dig into some huge areas and then, we perform a statistical analysis every month and every year and make sure that your practice is trending in the right ways in all areas. So yeah, in, in my opinion, if you're going to be in business, you got to understand the numbers because the numbers never lie to you. True. And sometimes as your practice grows, you have ineffective or inefficient procedures or practices so far as buying practices that are actually hampering your practice. And we're able to identify some of those by going, you know, your new patients are up, your patient visits are up, and you're making less money than you've ever made. What's going on here? Yeah. We're looking at your margin. Your margin's way off. Well, maybe you've got a different distributor for products, or maybe a product that you've been buying is so prohibitively expensive uh, that you're not really making a profit on it. And that doesn't happen often, but we do see that happen at times where you, you put a procedure, a plan in place, and you may be paying a monthly fee for something to utilize it. And unfortunately, you're using it so little that it's actually costing you money. 
Yeah, and exactly. It, and it should be a profit. It should be a profit center if you're going to put it in place. And so. I'll, I'll tell you a red flag that I've noticed over the years. <clears throat> and the red flag is if you're always feeling like you've got to find the next toy, the next profit center for your practice, the next tool or piece of equipment, that might be an indicator that your practice is not trending in the wrong in the right way and mm-hmm. you're you're looking for a way to fix it so um, yeah getting somebody to really help you anal- analyze this uh boy i can't talk words getting somebody to really help you analyze the statistical component of your practice is huge and it's eye-opening sometimes yeah sometimes in a not so fun way i know i know that i i got caught up in what we would call the uh what i call the bass lure uh, experiment there for a little while. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted this new thing and that new thing. And the problem was, is I wasn't really developing and implementing any of those things. I would just get one thing and then I'm like, okay, I'd really like to have this thing. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I'd even have staff telling me, you know, I think that's a bad idea. We need to do blah, blah, blah. And then I'd get right on the phone with the person that sold it and go, okay, well, okay, tell me again how much this costs. You know, and sometimes we as doctors make really poor decisions based on that. But what it'll show up as is a statistical anomaly for us to look at. Uh, all of a sudden, your expenses are super high. You're seeing more new patients, but you're actually making less money. What in the world's going on? So yeah. sometimes we call you on the carpet on that. I can't twist your arm and make you not buy shiny new toys. But what I can do is go, hey, this is impacting your bottom line. You might want to take a look at this. Yeah, and it, it might be a scenario where, hey, you know, buying that piece of equipment is a good idea, but let's wait three months when you hit your cash flow peak and you know, that way you got some ramp up time, build some marketing strategy behind it, those kind of things. So, um, yeah, but yeah, if you, if you have that issue of always looking for the shiny next new object, um, that, that might be a red flag. Hey, so let me ask you a question. So, and, and I already know the answer to this, but so we were talking earlier about COVID procedures. We talked about ABNs, uh, HIPAA manuals, all, all this good stuff. Okay. If I'm listening to this today and I go, Oh boy, I got a real problem. How do I find all this stuff? Well, if you're a client of ours, of course, we have the the huge um, Cats Consultants library of information, videos, webinars, seminars, uh, tools for practice, forms, whatever. Everything we talk about is is there. Um, you know, we we also provide that one-on-one coaching component as well. So if you don't have a coach or, or a coach that's really guiding you in the, in the direction that you feel like you should be going, give us a call. Um, we're, we're, I'm going to tell you right now, we're very exclusive. We don't accept everybody. We only accept a few new members each month because we want to get to really know and understand our member practices inside and out. So um, if you want to give us a call and find out more about what we do, Marissa's always great about kind of walking you through all the tools and everything that we offer on the website, what you get with your membership and all those things. And I'm going to tell you right now, I, I'm, I'm going to tout my own horn on it. And I, I don't do this about us very often, but uh, the level of service that we provide is huge. You're not just going to get a couple of seminars on a weekend and be expected to go implement on your own. Um, we are true business consultants and we'll help drive your practice in the way you want it to go. 
yeah, we have an expectation that you're going to be successful. And so when you sign on with us, we have that expectation that you're on board and we're on board with you at that point. And so it's important to us that you achieve success. Absolutely. Absolutely. Troy, those were some good topics. <laughs> I come up with some, well, I, I don't come up with them. We get some, we get some really good emails and texts, and sometimes, sometimes phone calls from people that have been maybe like, I could do this on my own kind of thing. And all of a sudden they hear something that you or I have said, or they read something and they will call us and go, uh, what do you think about that? And so I kind of log those and we try to help people as much as we can. Cause it's important that our profession put their best foot forward. Absolutely. And, you know, we're chiropractors too. And because of that, we're, we're very concerned about how practices look in their communities and, and what message we're putting out there as chiropractors, because we want chiropractic to stay healthy and go up and not be damaged and tarnished along the way. And it doesn't need to be. We provide a great service. It's valuable. When people understand it, they want it, they'll pay you for it. And so we just need to build a good sustainable business model model and strategy around that idea and it works so absolutely um, and, and you know i'm going to throw this out too real quick and then we'll, we'll wrap up but um if you have a thought or an idea that you want to hear troy and i banner banner around whether you're a member of ours or just uh, a, a chiropractic friend um email us um, we're always looking for ideas for our podcast so throw it out there and sometimes we'll even get crazy and do more than one a week so yeah, here, um, and here's here's my email address since since I get to be in charge of all the topics. <laughs> it's just Troy at catsconsultants.com. Troy at catsconsultants.com. Yep. So if you have a topic you want us to stu- discuss, you have questions about something in chiropractic, we'd be more than happy to discuss those topics. Yep. Awesome. Well, great topics today, Dr. Troy. Thank you. And uh, everybody, thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Michael Perush. We are Cats Chiropractic Consultants, and you've been listening to the KC Chiropults uh, podcast. Be sure to join us on the Chiropults Facebook page. It's KC Chiropults on Facebook. Join us there for more topics and information. We'll see you soon. See you later. <laughs>